We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In 1919, he hit 29 home runs and was sold to the New York Yankees. A three-run home run for Bucky Dunn. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. to Bill Lee is now going over to a couple of the Yankees, and there they go again. Tech and A-Rod going at it. Roberts is going. Masada's throw. Roberts safe. What can I say? Just dip my heart and, and call the Yankees my daddy. Welcome to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports, episode 70. Uh, I guess you could title it. We're finally here. Season starting, John, after all that lockout garbage. And only one week late. I feel like after all that crap, I know, it would have been like a, a month. A month, yeah. Do you like your team? I, I, you know what? I do. I like the fact that nobody's hurt. I like that. I'm not a big believer in uh, in Joey Gallo. Um, I'm not a fan of him. But I feel like if they stay healthy, they might be able to get around him. But again, like, you know, is he going to come off the bench and do anything for you? Uh, you know, I, I I'm still kind of hung up on him. But again, health comes down to health. If guys are healthy, they should do all right. I mean, it's it kind of sucks that DJ's been kind of forced out a little bit of the lineup in a way. Um, he's kind of been a, pushed into a bench player with the moves they made. Yeah. Um, that kind of sucks. But again, you know, like John Sterling said, if someone gets hurt every day. So, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, for the Red Sox, obviously some 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 pitching issues and sale. Who knows when we'll see him. You're relying on Jackie Bradley, who's a career 230 hitter. Who knows if he'll how much he's going to play, maybe a platoon player. I mean, there's some questions across the board. I think both teams are good. What I wanted to ask you, you forwarded me before the episode, and I can't figure out if Major League Baseball is doing this for marketing. (laughs) Seriously. Because they basically projected a four-way tie for first in the American League East and had all four teams making the playoffs. Yep, 88 wins, 74 losses, and each team. Obviously, you know, the four we're talking about. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of, like, blown away. Obviously, you know, Seattle could throw a wrench in that right. somehow. But, I mean, could you imagine that, given the fact that, you know, the way the season went last year, right, and everybody's predicting the, predicting the Blue Jays to be the top team in the AL East this year, and they didn't even make the playoffs last year, and they, what, won, like, 91 games? Right. I mean, that's crazy. So think about it. These head-to-head matchups with these guys, if that pans out, is going to be insane because I don't even want to know how the jockeying of the position is going to go as far as home field advantage and all that. But, you know, again, expanding the playoffs and matching four teams from the AL East, all right. the four teams that, you know, some would say are four of the six best teams so in what baseball. It, so what is it now? There are, there are, how, what's the expansion mean now for playoff teams? Twelve teams, so everybody division winner makes it, plus okay. three Wild card. Okay, so with that, with the new lineup for playoffs, that 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 can. That's happen. why I say Seattle could throw a wrench into it by you know I mean which they are they are projected to be a hell of a team and on paper they look very exciting, so I I say they could throw a wrench because they could win a wild card out of the AL West um, if the Astros win the West. That being said, which I hope they don't. Where's the trash can? <laughs> um, yeah, I I guess that I just I can't and again like. At being 50, 
I can't get over like what's old school and what's a rational argument. I can't stand the expansion of playoffs. I really don't. Well, I, you'll say that now, and for the for for Major League Baseball, they will if this, if this pans out, like you said, marketing ploy, right? Right. If this pans out, whole. I mean, what could be better? Yankees, yeah, Dodgers, World Series, the Red Sox, Dodgers, World sure, Series. But the hardest thing to deal with the last few years is that you go on this emotional roller coaster just to make the playoffs. Right. And then you play one game and it's over in a second. But that's that's gone, though. I know. I mean, but it being replaced with dilution. So now you get a situation where even more than ever, a team can not be great but get hot late or kind of half mail it in till the trade deadline, then load up and make a run, which I don't love. I don't love. I don't love, and I used to, listen, when it was the winner of the American League played the winner of the National League for the World Series, that was too exclusive, right? Because especially in the modern era, we right. can't handle that many, quote-unquote, losers. But, and then division winners, okay, and then two wildcard teams, even that felt diluted. So the dilution is what I have a problem with, because then a team, you know, and it's not going to be a St. Peter's type you know, Cinderella story. It's going to be a team that you're like... You mean the Marlins aren't going to squeak in? The point is, is like a team is going to end up winning the World Series that you really don't think deserves it. I mean, the Braves won the World Series last year. No one thought they were going to win. Well, that's true. And w- which brings me to another thing that could change, maybe... But go, going back to the playoff thing, yeah. I mean, you say you hate the one-game playoff, but that this solves that problem. Now, it, maybe it dilutes it, but wouldn't you rather see a playoff format where... No matter who, what skin you got in the game, it's not side, decided by one game. Because I'll argue the other point. I mean, if the you, first round's two out. Two, yeah, it? yeah, two yeah. Because I'll argue the other point. I mean, yeah, baseball, 162 game season, right? But I don't care what you say. It always is exciting when it's either an extra game or that last game of the season decides to play a team season. True. Now it could be even more exciting if there's two teams or three teams. Now with this format it could be six teams. I mean remember last year when it came down to it was nuts. I mean there was there was all sorts of stupid formulas where it'd be a four-way tie here and a three-way tie here and this and that. Can you imagine now what could right. happen? Right. I mean, it's I hope, I hope they're not going to condense it. You could play an extra four games There's or something. There's just a lot of teams that out. I think won't be deserving of the conversation that'll be in the conversation. But your point is well taken. And then I think of a team like the Mets, which, you know, if Scherzer and DeGrom can be healthy, they could they could do any sort of damage. In the, Why is in everybody the always so excited about Jacob DeGrom? I mean, he's, has he ever it, thrown more than like 115 it, innings? Because when he's right, he's Well, nasty. that's everybody no, in Major League Baseball yeah, usually think, when you're right. When right. Joey Gallo's right, he hits 45 home runs and bats 280. <laughs> okay. Do- I'm, no, I'm just tired of people always like so excited. If you looked at all the pundits at the beginning of the season, right, they all had Jacob DeGrom, the best player in Major League Baseball. That's who you're going to take, basically, in your fantasy draft or whatever. He was the number one pitcher. He was the number one everything other than like Trout or whoever, right? But he's never, ever, ever like sealed the deal and finished it out. I mean, look at Cole last year, hamstring injury down the stretch, useless. Right, Jacob Degrom was useless from the beginning of July for the Mets, and he's already useless basically if you think about it till the beginning of July so this year. I feel like John Senecal. I'm just tired no, no, of everyone I feel excited like about Jacob Degrom in, all in the spring time. training and, and during the lockout. He's just throwing 60 miles an hour meatballs, and then we start the season. And you you're, should be lucky. I'm not banging on Chris Sale right bring, now. You're bringing it. I absolutely love it, and I do want to put a pin in fantasy because I want to talk about it with you for a few minutes uh, before we we get out of the episode. He's John Senecal. I'm Brian Shackman. This is Fan Base, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. The one other thing I want to say is. Everyone debates about how relevant or irrelevant the start of the season is. They say over 162, 
it's not relevant. But I, you know, you I know can't, the, you can't the win Yankees, the playoffs in April, but you can lose them in April. Right, and then the Yankees have had some bad starts and really, really come back and and, and all of those things. But if you start, you know, two and ten. You have to go through the record of what it's going to take to finish in first place. You have to play it lights out. Having said that, I will point this out for the Boston Red Sox. In the first month, right, in April, they have Toronto seven times. They have Tampa three times. They have an incredibly improved Minnesota four times. And the Yankees three, and they have Detroit three. They have a tough schedule. And if they can even honestly, if the Red Sox are 500 at the end of April— I will be thrilled because that is brutal. That, that's a buzzsaw. Now, like last year, the Yankees had that kind of buzzsaw with Tampa. And because uh, remember, the Yankees Red Sox last year didn't play until like June. Right. Right. So they had Tampa, they had the Blue Jays, and the Yankees last April were 12 and 14. They were under 500. And everyone was already counting them out. And we all know how that went. They played like crap basically the whole season and then squeaked into the playoffs. Now, that being said, this year, the Yankees do look like they have an easier schedule in April, having the Orioles, I guess, six or seven times. You only have the Red Sox three, like you said, Blue Jays three times, and then they got the Indians, who on paper but, aren't that great. But do you think Detroit. it matters? Do you think it matters? Absolutely, I think it matters, because look look at what happened last year. I just said it. The Yankees were 12-14 and 14 in April last year, and they had the monkey on their back the whole season. There was so much pressure all year. All year. Yeah, because of that month. And we just got done talking about they're predicted to be in playoffs already. Right. All four teams. Right. So, again, like you said, if they don't – the buzzsaw is on the Red Sox this year in the, in April, I say. I think going by what you just said on paper, yeah. But the same thing. So, hopefully you – know, and you, for your sake, they're not fighting like the Yankees were fighting all last year. Well, I hope not. Again, I'd be happy with 500. I, I Honestly, but you just don't want, you know, 6-14 and 14 or whatever. Uh, I want to talk about – for laying out the rundown of the rest of this episode, we're, I want to talk a little bit about a fantasy because we're in a league together. I want to touch on that. And then I want to finish with Theo Epstein and his conversation with Jason Stark about rule changes and such. It's just a fascinating conversation with Theo who – clearly is so bright and so articulate and and he kind of changed my mind on something we'll get to that but the, before we get to that you had one feel good yankee story oh, yeah, that you yeah. wanted to get to so yeah the yankees last year it was lucas lukey um relief pitcher who was a journeyman made the yankees this year uh tom's river new jersey native not yes. todd fraser who just retired um this is ron maranacio or maranacio however you want to say it two c's two c's Great jawline, if you see his picture. He looks like Clark handsome, Kent. Handsome man. Handsome dude, right? So he's, he's, he's going to be in the Yankees bullpen, 26 years old. Graduated from Tom's River High School 2013. Was he on one of their Little League teams that like won it all? No, that was that was uh, what the Frazier. That was the Todd right. father um, who just retired. But anyways, lifelong Yankees fan. Uh, grew up a Yankees fan. Pictures of him in the bleacher creatures, going to all the games. Uh, more games than Isaiah Kiner-Falefuck since he grew up in Hawaii. But uh Anyways, yeah, so great feel-good story. Handsome kid. Yeah, he's going to be in the back end of the Yankees bullpen. He add, he worked his butt off in uh, coming back during COVID and added four miles an hour to his fastball, and which, uh, I guess, improved his changeup drastically. I mean, Italian-American kid living in Jersey, playing for the Yankees. If he does anything decent, he's he, going to be on the front of the post. He won't. He's not the Bronx kid. Right. But he's the Tom's River, the pride of Tom's we'll River take now. It. We'll take it. All right, listen, I want to talk fantasy because— Back in the day when we worked together in local news, you had a, a pretty intense fantasy baseball league. We used One of the to, money leagues, yeah. Yeah, and, and I couldn't handle it for several reasons. One is I didn't know the young players as well as you and a bunch of others did. Number two is it— We made the mistake of putting people that worked at ESPN in that league. Yeah, that, that, was was not, a, that was not a good idea. Dan Marks and the likes. And 
But the thing with baseball is that you have to football so easy. It's once a week. Right. You got your waiver day, yep. and then you have the big draft, and that's it. Right. Baseball's every stinking day. Right. Then you could fill up too much of one slot, and this and that and the other. Like it is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And so I'm a little worried about it. Now they let you at least set the lineup five, six days in advance, but yep. with starting pitchers and so on, you don't know. So everyone's always getting scratched. And, and then stuff. I never think to check about fulfilling you know, their their maximums. You can't just load up with pitching all the time <laughs> to win your league. Are you? I mean, are you excited to get back into it? Because you you left it for a long time. Yeah. So we did it. The one league you're talking about, we did for uh, God. I, I have to say, like probably 13 years. I was 13, 14 years, and. Uh, for the exact reasons you were talking about, I finally, I was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't compete uh, with people that are watching the stuff, like I ESPN people. And it's just a lot of work. So I stopped doing it. And then as my kids got older, they started, you know, talking about, oh, well, why don't we do a fantasy league, you know, and just get our friends involved. And I was like, that's yeah, great. So last year we did it. And it was a weekly league. So you set your lineup at the beginning of the week and, you know, you just, you roll with it, right? And after two weeks, all they did was complain because, you know, the guy was hurt. Now he can't do this. I can't pick up this guy. You know, So I said, this year we'll do it daily. And hopefully, you know, they're not complaining that they have to follow it more strict, strictly, you know. But again, we're not, it's not a, it's not a huge buy-in or anything. But listen, it, I've always said fantasy baseball, if you're playing it like we're playing it, right? And there's not a ton of skin in the game. You don't got hundreds of dollars invested right. in it. Makes you follow the game more. And if you have some sort of TV package where you can watch multiple games, you'll find yourself flipping through and looking at the hot rookie Bobby Witt or Julio Rodriguez or those guys that you picked up. Or you'll follow your own team. What sucks is when you start rooting against your own pitchers and all right. that and stuff. So I, I don't miss that part. The thing that struck me, besides the fact that I'm a little bit intimidated by being back in it, although with my job on the radio on a daily basis, I'll have five minutes to look at my team and check it on most days, is that I realize how many young players I don't know. It's amazing. There's a lot of guys I just, and guys that had good seasons in the last year or two who yep. I had no idea who they were. Yeah, and this year, so they got, I guess, like five guys of the 2019 draft class. Torkelson, C.J. Abrams, uh, Riley Green, well, he's not, he's hurt. Um, Julio Rodriguez, and I'm thinking I'm, I'm missing one other one. Yeah, I'm missing one. Um, oh God, whatever. I'm, but the thing but is, like, there's the three of those four. Bobby Witt Jr. Okay, I, Bobby Witt Jr. and the guy from Seattle, I heard about yep. only because of social media, because the Seattle the video Showing went the video. viral exactly. with him getting, making the majors. But the other three guys, I never heard of. And so that's the thing that's so fascinating is that it's going to get me to familiarize myself with more players that I should know about. And and so that's the one thing. If those guys perform like they're supposed to. I mean, whew. Boy. I just can't imagine, you know, I talked to on my local radio show to the manager of the Hartford Yard Girls, the AA team of Colorado, and they have a uh, a top prospect at shortstop coming into uh, the team they're very excited about, and he, he slated to be a major leaguer. And I just can't imagine being 20 and being in that position. Yeah. And so you talk about guys from 2019, or it's basically that's their age. Yep. And I didn't have a job with healthcare until I was 26. I, I wasn't out of debt until I was 32. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine the maturity it takes to handle life and stay on track. I would be partying every night. I don't know yeah. what I'd be doing. Well, I mean, listen, a lot of these guys, you know, like Julio Rodriguez, that's all they know. I mean, they, you know, they come from Dominican Republic or whatever, and it's all baseball. But, I mean, look at Ronald Acuna Jr. He's like 24 years old, and people aren't even forgot about him. Right. He won't be back until the beginning of May, but he could arguably probably be the best player in baseball. 
And he was hurt all last year, and the Braves won the World Series. But, I mean, he was 19 when he started in the league. And, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's been hurt a lot and no one really even talks about it? That dude has been hurt so much in his short career between getting hit by pitches and banging yeah. into stuff and knee injuries. He's, he's going to be exciting to see play. He's such a bat flipper. I, I, I still have trouble with the bat flippers. But anyway, I, people love it. It's a young person's game, but you got to get used to the bat flipping. Well, it's marketing, and you know, like that's that's what our next thing is. It's it's not just marketing. It's also pace of play. Okay. It's speeding up so the game. So let's talk about it. So Theo Epstein sits down with Jason Stark, the great Jason Stark, who wrote covered the Phillies for years, worked at ESPN for years, now with The Athletic, and Basically, Theo is in charge of making the game better, which I thought I was really disappointed that this wasn't more a part of the collective bargaining agreement. But there's a bunch of stuff the players are on board with, and they have been and will continue to uh, experiment in the minor leagues. And yep. you, you can bet that this stuff is coming to the major leagues because they, they did bargain that they can make these changes more quickly and it won't be three to five years. It could do it in, in less than a year. So what I wanted to do was play a clip. Play a clip from the interview that re- that relates to the pitch clock, but more on the impact on the hitter. Because the hitter can be penalized, too, for not being right. in the box soon enough. I think they have to be in the box and, and like looking at the pitcher within like nine seconds or whatever. So uh, here's what uh, two minutes of what Theo Epstein said in his conversation with Jason Stark. We don't think it's it's uh, overly onerous on hitters. We think they'll still have you know that moment to take a deep breath, you know, glance down to the third base coach's box, get get themselves go through their little routine and get themselves prepared and ready to hit but be attentive to the pitcher with nine seconds on the timer and then that's important that's that gives the pitcher time to work at his rhythm with you know with a full nine seconds remaining on the timer and i'll and i'll say that you know uh this is a rule that um players really adapted to quickly and that was something that we were really locked in on is you know you can make you can make a set of regulations that work great in theory, you know, that look good in paper, but if players can't adjust to it and, you know, instead of just playing the game, they're out there thinking about all these different elements of the pitch timer rule, then, you know, you haven't really gained anything. In fact, you've probably made the game worse by doing that. And so we're really interested to see how players would adjust. And, you know, the, the fall league is a really good example. The first couple days of the pitch timer, of course, there there were there were violations as 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 pitchers and, and catchers and, and and hitters alike um, had to get used to the rule. So I was at a game where uh, it was the first day of the pitch timer. Spencer Torkelson, one of the top prospects in baseball, wasn't attentive and ready to hit with eight seconds remaining on the clock. It was a two strike oh. count, so he had the automatic <laughs> strike. He struck out. <laughs> Same thing happened to uh, Tristan Cassis, another top prospect, um, the very next day. And, that you know that's that's not what we want we don't we don't want you know uh at bats to be decided by by pitch timer violations but i'll say this it happened once right and you know if you're a hitter and and, and you get punched out because you haven't you know you haven't gotten in the box in time with two strikes it, it tends not to happen again and so that first week we saw a number of violations the second week we saw fewer and then by the time um, we got three weeks in in the arizona fall league there was less than half a violation per game. So for me, John, I've always been against the pitch clock for a couple of reasons. One, mainly I thought the players would ignore it and it would never be enforced. And I, I thought it would be too artificial. And the argument about the shot clock in the NBA never made sense to me. But I will tell you, and I encourage people to listen to the whole interview, he kind of changed my mind on it a little bit. 
And I don't know if you want to react first, and then I can tell you why. Or, or oh, you what. go ahead. So he, here's here's the situation. There's one thing that that I hadn't thought about is that if they experiment in the minors for a year plus, or in Double A, I think it's definitely like we've required, already seen it. I've seen it at Double A games. That as these players go to the bigs, they'll be familiar with it. Right. So if you unilaterally in, in implement it in the majors when no one's seen it, they're of course going to give you the collective middle finger. But if they've already had to deal with it, right, then it's easier to do, and then the veterans got to deal with it or go away. I'll say two words for you. Sticky substance, glove check, four words, but two and two. Look at what happened last year when they just all of a sudden did that. Like Max Scherzer lost his freaking mind on the mound. People were going crazy. Remember that? Right, but then that, the that, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. do what, what you're saying. And and I took away – that's another thing I took away from that too. I was thinking, yeah, pitch clock, uh, it sucks. Like another great thing that he was talking about is, you know, they don't want it to be an inconvenience, right? They don't want the players – looking at it. They don't even want the fans looking at it. They want it to be second nature. That's what you're talking about, right? And that's basically, they talked about Spencer Torkelson, one of the main prospects, getting punched out, but then it basically never happens again. These players adapt to it. It's almost like second nature. It becomes part of your routine. You walk into the box. There was there was one inning they talk about in particular um, where it was like eight minutes longer, basically. Yeah. The major league, major one. league one, the major league same scenario, right. same right. scenario. Eight minutes longer because guys were walking around the box and looking back, and then there's a guy in second base and he's stepping out, he's moving right, he's moving left, he's calling the pitcher. Nobody wants to see that, right? Nobody wants to see that. The batter doesn't want to see it. The coaches don't want to see it. It just sucks for the game. So if they, if the, because even with the checking with the the the, the substances with the pitchers, it sort of seemed like the refs, the umps, excuse me, just sort of gave up, gave on up it. on it. But but if they actually enforce it and they have the teeth, then Theo will be right. It'll be an uproar for two weeks, yep. and then everyone will fall in line. They have to have the guts yep. to follow through. But the whole conversation he had, I, I really, people need to listen to all of it because there's there's nuances across the board because when they talked about how, well, because you can take so much time, the, 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 the stat people say that's how you can sustain velocity when you throw. Right. And, 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 and it's about p- putting balls in play. And so if you speed it up, the pitchers are maybe a little bit of a disadvantage because it's going to put more balls in play. But the, the hitters can't sit there and break down in their heads all the options or check their, their little cheat sheet or whatever. Right. And so baseball is going to be more what baseball is supposed to be. And then he also talked about in the conversation about this effort to possibly constrict how far outfielders can go back. I mean, there's yep. statistical analysis that over the last 20 years, outfielders have gone further and further back because basically they're willing to give up a single. Right. to prevent a double or triple. So what I found fascinating about two things with that, right, the outfielder thing, he thinks that would be a better and more influential change for Major League Baseball than the infield shift. Because right when they started talking about infield shifts, they said, well, what about the outfield? Just move the center fielder behind the second baseman for right. the guy that pulls. And then they start, in, in the conversation, he addresses that. The other thing that I found uh, interesting was the argument about how it's going to change the defensive player of the game. When we were growing up, shortstops and second basemen were small. They were yeah. scrappy. They were quick. Yeah. They covered a lot of ground. And as we got older, they start looking like DJ LeMahieu does. Right. Bigger, or stronger, or A-Rod, Nomar. Yeah. Even Jeter was a bigger, taller guy, right? But you take the shift and all the defensive placement out of the game, put the guys two on each side of the bag, it makes that position more athletic and more exciting. That was one thing I never even thought about right. in the game. Now, not only does it make the game more exciting— 
it also changes the game because now these kids that are in high school and stuff are going to look and they're going to be like, oh man, this is a big kid. He's not really going to be cut out to be playing a shortstop or a second base. This kid's more of a third baseman now. Huh. So, or in college. Yeah, and I, I mean, I haven't, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I just found it fascinating that they have such statistical analysis that as the outfielders have backed up, there have been fewer yeah. doubles and triples. That, that, that it was really fascinating because I, I, again, that's like now I, they are going to be doing that in extended spring training. They're going to be painting painting lines or uh, cutting the weird? grass. Doesn't that feel a little weird though? To yeah, they said that they they'll demarcate by having like different colored grass cuts. Yeah, but. I also feel like it's weird. Like you're going to put fielders in a box and they can only start in that box. It just seems strange, but I also understand the why. And the, and the truth is, is that going to a four-hour baseball game stinks. Seeing, I mean, home runs are exciting, but but Theo was right. Stolen bases, you know, because the they're doing the base, the bigger bases, the bigger too. bases, yeah. Stolen bases and doubles and triples and great defense. You don't get as much Herculean defense because right. the guys are, they're not needing to make those plays because they're so far back. Yep. And so it's either singles or home runs. And so I do think that if you have to, and I think I heard someone on sports radio saying you're. You're saving the game from itself. If you let the game be unchecked, they'll always be looking for these advantages, and right. they will change it, and it'll eventually just be a home run derby. Yep. And and so that's not what you want. And so I went from being like pitch clock is so dumb, I hate it, to being like if they actually have the guts, they have to have the guts to yes. do it. If they have the guts to do it in three to five years, because you have to sort of ease in. I right. love the fact that you take these eighteen-year-old kids and they got to do it. They have to do it. Yeah. And by the time they're second tw- nature, and then by the time they're twenty three in the majors, they're not going to be mad. No, and so in five to five years, you'll only have a couple of years worth of players who who don't like it and don't get used to it, and you have to live with it. Now, do you think they'll have the guts to do it? Pitch clock. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see why they wouldn't because they've. I mean, technically, they've almost been doing it for two years in the minors. I mean, I don't. I don't see. There's like he said, there hasn't been backlash really you know if there's not a backlash coming like you said with these players coming up which some of these guys have already seen it and they're going to be playing a major role like the Torkelsons I don't see why it would be a big deal for the guys who are already in the league because listen you know it's a topic guys are going to be talking about it right you know the major leaguers are going to be like ah what'd you think of that you know they're going to be talking about it it's if they haven't experienced it they're going to want to know their opinion on it and if Torkels is going to look at Miguel Cabrera who might not be there next year he could be gone in bad reference but another player on the Tigers and be like it's not that big of a deal dude I don't think it's going to even be in their head I think they're going to they're professionals they're going to figure it out pitchers I don't know. I mean, it could be a little bit harder for the older school guys. They're, they're, at gonna, first. they're gonna have to train differently because yeah. more of them are gonna get hurt initially because yeah. they're rushing things and what. I think it's gonna be a little bit harder sell, but listen, it's gonna happen. I personally think it's gonna be a little bit tougher talking about the outfield stuff. I think that's gonna be the third in line to go. Maybe much to the dismay of Theo Epstein and the excitement of the game. So, wait, you think that the shift is first? I think. Well, I think the infield shift would, would come first before the outfield and, shift. And then is the pitch clock before? The, I think the, the pitch infield? clock would come first. Yeah. So it goes, it goes pitch clock, infield shift, then outfield yep. rules. Yeah. And there's possibility that the pitch clock could come this year. I believe. I still think the infield shift could be taking care of itself if you took the macho crap out of the game. Yeah. And just bunt the. I mean, again, I still think it's like stupid that you don't just. 
you just bunt it until they they change what they do. Well, but, I saw something that over under on Joey Gallo like thirteen bunt singles this year. Go for it! I yeah. say all the power to it. I, I mean, honestly, I, I I like I believe in market economies, and I I think the same should exist in baseball. Take out the stupid male ego. The most important thing is baseball is back. Yeah, that well, is the important. Thing. Awesome! It's great stuff. We've had a great run. Actually, I really enjoyed some of our season stuff. Joan it's Ryan. It's gonna be was, nice to actually talk baseball. I know it is, and I and we got to get get watching, and we're doing all this stuff. I mean, we sort of changed our cable and we don't know what we're doing for like i don't know what we have dude you gotta get uzu tv uzu TV. how do you spell that uzzu dot tv and that has yeah all- it's like i call it pirate tv you get any baseball game you want and it's not you know fbi ain't coming knocking or i've had it for two years now it's the okay. best best well, best deal i've had so listen know. You want to sponsor yourself yeah, on the show, on, Uzu come, TV? Come on over. Show your face. <laughs> this has been episode 70. He's John Senecal. I'm Brian Shackman. This is Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in With the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.